0: Hey, Seasoned Athletes. I'm Robin Leggett, and this is Episode 24 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete. If your holiday plans include a flight or a long road trip, there's no better way to make the travel time pass quickly than by diving into a great audiobook. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including some authored by previous seasoned athlete guests like Katherine Switzer and Lita Petro. To get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com seasonedathlete or visit seasonedathlete.me and click on Audible Trial on the main menu. Today's main interview is with the 2017 Olympic distance triathlon 45 to 49 age group world champion, Adrian LeBlanc. But first, let's meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. Today's Everyday season Athlete is a listener who emailed me just to let me know how much she's been enjoying the podcast, which I thought was incredibly kind and just such a great thing to get feedback like that from a listener. But when I found out that this listener is a runner herself, well, of course, I had to ask her to be a part of the show. I guess there's just no such thing as passively listening to the Seasoned Athlete podcast, right? We're all seasoned athletes here. Anyway, I'm so glad she agreed because as you will hear – she has such a beautiful way of telling her story. Let's meet Pamela Nemeth.
1: Hi, my name is Pamela Nemeth. I'm 59 years old and am currently an ultra-distance trail runner. I've also done lots of road races and triathlons. As a pre-Title IX woman, there wasn't a whole lot of encouragement or availability of sports for girls growing up. I discovered running in my early 30s after I had children It was the perfect way to go out and have some alone time. This was before there were jogger strollers, so I was really alone, and it was such a blessing. I discovered that not only did I really like running, but I was kind of good at it, and I qualified for Boston in my very first marathon that I did. From there, I got very involved with running and discovered a whole world of camaraderie and play. I went on to do triathlons for a while, and now as I approach my 60th birthday next year, I've moved to California from New York, and I live in an area where there's just the most amazing trails, and I love running on trails. For me, ultra running is my temple. It's my opportunity for activism and kindness. It's my connection to the natural world, to my gods, goddesses, angels, and the divine. On the trails, I find peace of mind and connect with my wholeness. It has really opened up my life in so many amazing ways. My advice to people who would like to stay active as they age is keep moving in any way you can. And also listen to this podcast, The Seasoned Athlete. Seriously, nothing's more inspiring to me than hearing the stories of other older athletes. To hear a 95-year-old runner talk about her race plans for the future, wow, that's really pretty inspiring. I am Pamela Nemeth, and I am a seasoned athlete.
0: If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, a woman who proves that with hard work and determination, you can start a sport in your 40s and go on to win championships. This is Adrian LeBlanc. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Robin. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Yes, I am. Fantastic. You are Adrienne LeBlanc, mother of three, physical therapist and triathlete based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. You're a five-time age group national champion for short course racing triathlon. You earned the world champion sprint distance triathlon title in 2015 and are the 2017 world champion in the Olympic distance triathlon. You've also earned Arizona state champion titles in 2016 and 2017 in the 40K women's road cycling time trial race. And in 2018, you'll be competing in the ITU age group world championships for triathlon in Australia, where you hope to defend your winning title from this year. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a
2: quick moment to fill in? And I don't even know if you said this, but I was, um, you know, swimming has really, when um, starting swimming for me as a young child, really molded my, you know, athletic career.
0: Well, we're definitely going to get into that, but before we do, I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? 47. Awesome. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, When did you start playing sports, and what did your early athletic life look like? I know you just mentioned uh, that you started swimming early, but when did that start, or did you start playing sports even before that? Uh, No, I
2: didn't play sports um, before the age of 10. Uh, When I was 10 years old, I was involved in um, a Campfire Girls, which is like a Girl Scouts club, and we, in order to earn patches, we, um, one of them was a swimming patch. So, um, we, we would go and swim and take lessons and a lady sitting next to my mom said, Oh, she's pretty good in the pool. Why don't you put her on a swim team? And my mom said, what's a swim team? (laughs) And (laughs) so she, she went to the local swim club and I tried out and the coach was pretty tough. And she said, well, she's okay. We'll let her try it for a couple of weeks. And um, that was it then. Basically, I just fell in love with the sport and I progressed pretty fast at it. And I didn't stop swimming until um, the end of my college years, um, undergraduate school. So it pretty much was my life for a very long time. And I I really enjoyed it. It took up a lot of time, but um, I wouldn't change anything about it. And the people I met along the way, the coaches, um, they really inspired me to compete and to dream and to achieve, to learn that you can achieve anything that you put your mind to. And if you work hard, you can achieve it.
0: And you, like you mentioned that very early on that the swimming was the catalyst for, for everything you're doing now. So would you say that, that, that inspiration that you got really early has carried you all the way through into your forties as a triathlete?
2: Yes, it has. Um, it definitely made me want to keep competing. Even when I was done swimming, you know, pretty much, um, after college, there's not a lot further to go with it, but, um, I really felt this need of wanting to keep competing and keep doing something, um, where I could work hard at something and achieve a goal. Um, I always had like a goal and I wanted to achieve something. So it was, it was pretty tough for me to, to be done with swimming because I didn't really have anything left in my, in my mind to compete at, you know, besides I went to graduate school and things like that. But I um, had a family, had kids, but I didn't really have that um, the kind of like goal setting physically competition things to achieve um, in that regard. So that was difficult for me. And that's why I started doing triathlons, not until the age of 40, though. So
0: in between that time when you stopped swimming and age 40, when you started triathlons, you weren't doing anything like... On a competitive level, athletically speaking?
2: No, I, I didn't do very much. I, I did a couple half marathons, <laughs> and I, I loved running um, for fitness. Um, and it was easy to do. Um, I was pretty busy with graduate school, and so I knew I could just go out and run anytime. And I, I really enjoyed running. One of my coaches that I admired very much, um, she made us run, or you know, had us run for fitness, and when we were swimming, um, she would have us run quite a bit and I really enjoyed it. And she was a runner herself and a swimmer, but, um, she really instilled in me that love for running. And I almost got more out of it than even swimming. Cause it, it gives you something. I just, I can't explain. You can just go out and do it anywhere. You know, you don't need much. <laughs>
0: right. Right. That's actually something, um, I spoke with Catherine Switzer who was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon, I did an episode with her. And that, that was something that she brought up, that it's like there's no financial barrier to running. Like anyone can run anywhere. So when the, that sport, it's just one of those sports that's like it's available to everybody. And yeah. so if, if you want it, you can do it. So there is there is that, that aspect of it that like you can just go out. If you want to run, you just go out and run. And you
2: can do it in a race or you can just, go run. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's what I loved about it so much. So I did that, um, pretty much up until age 40, <laughs> I kept running and running and running and, um, and, um, not really competing very much. So, you know, I probably did like three half marathons maybe. And, um, I, I wanted to, you know, compete more, but I, I didn't find that I was doing, I did, I did well, but I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't get that. Like, Oh, I want to go and do this time. And I wasn't really um, progressing in the field, I guess, as you said, yeah. as you could say.
0: Yeah. So how did you find your way to triathlons at age 40?
2: Um, well I had, okay. I lived next door to an, um, a friend at, and he was, um, a road cyclist. Um, and he had a lot of bikes in his garage and he would, you know, be out biking all the time. And he would say, Oh, you should, you should, um, try biking. You know, it's, it's, um, it'd be good. Cause you can, you know how to swim and you, you can run and, um, you know, if you bike, you could do a triathlon. And I was like, you know, I knew about triathlons because I always kind of wanted to do one. And, um, but I just didn't, I never biked before. I, I didn't even bike as a kid, hardly, you know, I didn't really <laughs> go on my bike very much because I was swimming all the time. Sure. So, um, so he, he basically took me out, showed me everything about road cycling. Cause I didn't know, I just didn't know like how to clip in and like, you know, I was kind of scared going too fast. I, I was, I mean, he helped me so much. I can't, it, if it wasn't for him, I would have never started it. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to try one. So I went out and tried my first triathlon and I got on my bike with my wetsuit on <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, I forgot what I was doing. And I'm like riding my bike with my wetsuit on. And, uh, it was, it was pretty hilarious, but, um, I, I did pretty well. My first one, I think I got third place or something and I was like, well, I'm pretty good at this, you know? So I just kept going with it. And, um, gosh, I got really good at the bike eventually, but if it wasn't for him, I would have never started it.
0: That's so awesome that just uh, your, your friend and neighbors like, give this a try. And then yeah. it ended
2: up changing your whole life. It did. It really did. I became very addicted to it, as you can say.
0: <laughs> and that happens a lot with these types of uh, competitions and sports. And I also love that you told the story about uh, wearing the wetsuit because I've talked to a few triathletes on the show. And I feel like every single one of them has that rookie story. Yeah. That <laughs> one thing you did as a rookie that you just didn't didn't know better until later. And it's like, uh, and so that's just one of those fun rookie stories. I really like, yes. What is it about triathlons that
2: made you fall in love with, uh, or what made,
0: what made you fall in love with that sport? I,
2: I really enjoy the transition, you know, going from one sport to the next. Um, when I was swimming, I was very good. My best event was the 400 individual medley. And that's where you do, um, you do butterfly and then you go to backstroke and then you go to breaststroke and you go to freestyle and you do that, you know, all in one shot for one race. And I kind of feel like triathlon <laughs> is like that, you know, you're doing your swimming and then you do your biking and then you do your running. And I really, I feel like, like I can actually run better after I do the swimming and the biking. I can probably run faster than if he just told me to go run, you know, after sitting down kind of thing, you know, like I'm like warmed up and ready to go. And I like that, feeling of, um, doing different sports in one race. Like it's exciting and the transitions and, um, and just, I really the energy of it.
0: Yeah. You really get, you get a lot of bang for your buck in a triathlon You do. sports <laughs> in one race. You
2: do. A lot of things can go wrong though, because of that though, you sure. know, there's, bit, there's many things that, um, factors that you're like thankful you finished that race because nothing happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the smooth race. Yeah. You're, yes. you're happy when it's over. because. Yeah. There's when you have three space, three, three sports, that's triple the number of disasters that can happen. Yes, it
2: is. It's in so true. one
0: race. Yeah.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. It's, and, and the bike is complicated. That's one thing, you know, cause there's, you gotta have, you gotta have a bike and you gotta hope the tires have air in them the whole time and make sure the chain stays on and things like that. So it's, it's, you know, as we were saying, the running is easy. You can just go out and do it. Biking is, more complicated
0: yeah with running only your body can betray you
2: yes the yeah exactly
0: your your gear and equipment can betray you yes so triathlon um for those who don't know there's three main distances right yes so can you talk about or four, just four. Yeah. can you talk yeah. a little bit really briefly about the different distances and which one is your favorite and why
2: okay um there's there's a there's a sprint distance um and an olympic distance there's a half iron man and an iron man iron man is a 1.5 mile swim and then they do um 112 miles of biking and then they go for another marathon which is like 26.5 miles of running mm-hmm. so that's the that's the, the main the the big co- you know, Kona Ironman. And then half of that is, of course, the half Ironman. And that's very popular, too. And then the Olympic distance is the one that is my most favorite. And that's like a quarter of an Ironman. And you go, uh, you do about a mile swim, and about 26 miles of biking. And then you do um, 6.1 miles of running after that. And then half of that would be a sprint.
0: So it's similar to it, a lot of people are more familiar with running races where we have the 5K, the 10K, the half half, yes. uh, half marathon, the marathon. So the Ironman would be the marathon version of triathlon and, in fact, mm. has a marathon in it. Right. And then, uh, you know, then we go down from there. So a lot of times when people start triathlons, they'll start at a sprint. And that's kind of like the entry point to see if that's something you're into. Um, and, or something that might be something people excel at those short distances and then you kind of move on longer from there. So why is the Olympic your favorite?
2: Um, I think it's a good distance. Um, as far as you can go fast and you can go, I like to go as hard as I can. I like to just give it my all. And, um, if, yeah, if you do um, if longer than that, like a half Ironman or an Ironman, you really have to slow down because you, you will not make it that far. You have to pace yourself. Yeah, you have to pace yourself. Yeah. So I guess I love, I just like to go as far, hard as I can. And um, the sprint is, it's almost too short for me because I can't really go any faster in a sprint than I can in Olympic distance. So I tend to do, excel better in the Olympic because I can hold on longer at a yeah. high higher level. Yeah. That makes sense. So, a sprint, yeah. The sprints sprints over too soon. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I can't get going. I'm not really, you know, kick going that fast. So
0: So you found your you found your sweet spot in that Olympic yes. distance.
2: Yes. It did. And it's a 10k at the end and that's, you know, that's fun to train for and um it's not as bad as a half marathon or a marathon <laughs> at the yeah. end. That would be you'd really have to but time consuming too, as far as training, sure. um, and with a family and everything, it's a lot.
0: And I want to talk about your family and, and the challenges that come from having a family of athletes. Cause you do, um, I'm going to get to that in a little while though. Cause first I want to ask you some questions about the entirety of your race career. Um, can you take us back to your worst, hardest, or most difficult race experience?
2: Um, I pretty much have two races that, um, were pretty difficult or very difficult, um, two world championships that I've been to, I did not finish. Um, the first one was in London in 2013. Um, and I was doing very well during the race. I was in third place. I believe I wasn't feeling very good. My, I had hurt my hamstring, but I thought, Oh, it's going to be fine. And I was a believer that you know, my body can do anything and it's, it's going to be fine. As long as I give it my all, I'll be fine and nothing's going to happen. Well, during the run, I ended up, um, tearing the tendon, um, off the bone of my hamstring off the ischial tuberosity. Yes. <laughs> so I had to stop of course, and I got, and it was, you know, so I, I didn't get to finish that race. And that was really disappointing because, and but it made me realize that, okay, I'm a human being and these things can happen. And you do have to be careful. You know, you can't be just crazy. And when something is really hurting like that, you can really hurt yourself. So that was a good learning lesson for me. Um, um, the next one that happened was, um, well, and then the next year I ended up winning world championships in the sprint because, uh, so I was very happy. I think I was, you know, I really wanted to to win and I've never won before. And I did the sprint because I couldn't train as much because um, I had injured myself. So I, my training with running, I could only really get up to like the 5k, which is the end of the sprint distance. Yeah. But then the following year, I went to world championships again in Cozumel, Mexico. And this is 2016, last year. And um, it was very warm there, very humid. It was it was like 90% humidity, I think. And it was 90 degrees. And it was later in the day. We were my wave. They put us in waves of age groups. So we were towards the end of the, the race, which was around noon time. And, um, I was winning the race by six minutes and I had a mile to go to the finish line. And I, I passed out from heat stroke and went into a coma for six hours and I didn't um, even know what happened, but oh. yeah, my body temperature was 107. Like I was lucky that I survived, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Um, then again, I see, I didn't realize that things can happen to you like that. <laughs> so that was very disappointing. And um, cause I was so close and I, I just wanted to, my goal, my dream was to win um, the Olympic distance at world championships. I've never done that before. I did it this year now in 2017, but before that I had Never, you know, that was a dream of mine. And I was, I knew I was winning and I was so excited. And then the lights just went out and I, um, I did learn a lesson from that, but it didn't, it made me, um, want to keep going though. Let me tell you, I was like determined. (laughs) I'm like, I gotta not give up and keep going. And, um, so I guess it was a good thing happened. You were able to fight for that redemption. Yes. I
0: just find it so interesting because it's something I experience as well. The, that whole just having that competitive drive in you and not wanting to pull back at any point and really believing that you can push through and you train to push through, but there are instances where perhaps you shouldn't push through and you were, you know, you learned some very harsh lessons in these races about when it's time to, to say it's time, but you kind of learn them a little after the fact. Um, Can you talk about what you really learned from those two very different experiences that kind of led to the same lesson, what did you learn from that? And how did it inform you moving forward?
2: Um, I I guess I learned that, you know, anything can happen to you. I believe that before that, especially the heat stroke, that that would never happen to me. I would never be one of those people that pass out. <laughs> yeah. I would never be one of those people crawling on the ground or, you know, doing, you know, I, I thought like I, I would know that, that was going to happen. Like I would never let myself get to that point, but I, I guess everybody's human and (laughs) you, you know, it happens. So that I did learn that I need to be careful for those things that you have to be aware of your body and, um, what your body needs, especially during, you know, a very tough race and, and the conditions that are around you, if it's, you know, what the weather's like and things like that, or, or the course. Um, so that taught me, you know, a good lesson there. And as far as, yeah, when something's hurting you, maybe you shouldn't keep going with it um, because you're just going to, it's going to make further damage later on and you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve in the long run. So sometimes you need to pull back and let it go. And it could can, it can be really hard, but it's I really hard. That. And it's like, it's like, I, I still don't know if I've learned it a hundred percent, but I'm yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. I'm very stubborn about it because I always think that, oh, it's okay. I can do it. But yeah, I totally understand.
0: <laughs> I, re- I recently had a race experience like that where Did I, you? Yeah. I had a bad muscle pull when it was, I had a calf muscle that was hurting me throughout an entire yes. race. And then at the very end of the race, I pulled the muscle and I've been dealing with rehabbing it. For about a month now, so yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I I understand that that desire to push through and I'll be okay, I'll be fine. Yeah, um, you think you will? Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's not always the case. And in the the instance of the heat and in and of elements, you know, hopefully that informs you to at least have a preparedness level when you know that you're dealing with extreme temperatures. And so that's def- that's definitely something that you can prepare for in advance and do your yeah. best to to work with. Um, and hopefully not have that experience again, because that sounds really scary. Um, But, but, uh, but yeah, sometimes it's, you know, hard to listen to our bodies as much as we know we should. And as a physical therapist, I'm sure you know, you should. And yet as a competitor, it's hard to do that. Sometimes I totally understand.
2: Yes, I know that. that's, That's, I guess that's what it's hard to learn. But Eventually, hopefully, we'll learn it. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So,
0: on the other side, can you tell me about your favorite race experience?
2: I guess my favorite um, race experience um, has to be this last one I just did in um, World Championships, um, and it was in Rotterdam, and um, I won. I won my age group for the Olympic distance, and that was one of my that was one of my goals and my dream to win world championships at that distance. And I guess that's, you know, you always say, oh, your favorite race was the one you won. But, it, you know, I, for me, it is. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the race. It was, everything went very well. Um, I had my best time in my run there. I was under, I was 38 minutes in the 40 K and the 20 K I'm sorry. Um, for the six, I'm sorry. In the ten k. <laughs> 6.1 mile I'm getting mixed up here 6.1 miles of running and um I felt really good so you know everything went well that day for me so it doesn't always go well but yeah. <laughs> that was that was my favorite race and I and just like crossing the finish line and um the the feeling of oh my gosh I did it I guess because the year before I didn't get to cross the finish line and there's been times where I don't get to cross the finish line <laughs> at world yeah. championships and I am just so thankful to be able to cross that finish line um, so it was that was my favorite race.
0: Yeah, and and being able to do it last year and win and PR when you couldn't do it the year prior, I imagine just made the whole experience
2: even sweeter. Yes, definitely. That was that's why I think that's it was definitely and it was my, my big goal of mine that I didn't know if I could achieve it, but I did, and I was just ecstatic, I couldn't believe it.
0: Well, congratulations! That's Thank super you. awesome. So, Thank what? You. You're welcome. Uh, so, what advice would you give to someone who may be around your age, has entertained the idea of trying a triathlon, but may find it intimidating or
2: out of their league? Um, I would definitely try to find somebody who is in the sport, so they can guide you, um, you know, through it. Because it's very, it is intimidating. It is one of those things, especially people who don't know how to swim. Coming from a swimming background is a great advantage because a lot of people as an adult have a hard time learning how to swim because it's just, it's really hard to learn as an adult. But, um, the first thing you can do maybe is find somebody, you know, who could help you in the swimming area if you don't know how to swim. Um, but somebody that's, you know, doing all three disciplines, um, a club or a friend or somebody can guide you through, because I think that, you know, you really need that support, um, to start one. And, and it is, um, something that you can do. Anybody can do it. I mean, honestly, you just have to, you know, just have to find that person. Sometimes that's the yeah. hardest part, you know, that's a, trying to find somebody to help you, um, get into it. And, um, even, you know, just borrowing the equipment and try, try something really low level, like a super sprint or something that's not in a pool. You don't have to go in a lake or ocean, things like that.
0: Yeah. Cause it definitely, I'm not a big swimmer. I can swim, but I'm not a big swimmer. And the idea of getting in the ocean with all of those people swimming yes. around me, like that's probably the most intimidating aspect of a triathlon to me having never
2: done one. Yeah, that's that's the hardest part for everybody. Some people who um, some some people who start in the sport and um, they try to go and do you know, just do a, a race in the lake and like just a swimming race, you know, just enter one of those just to try it to see how it feels with other people around. And, you know, I always tell people, you don't have to finish the race, just get in there, feel what it feels like the first time. And then the next time, try it again and try to finish the race eventually. But, you know, it's okay to get out and just, just, you got to almost warm yourself up to it. Cause it is, I think the swimming is probably one of the hardest things in the ocean or the lake with a lot of people around you cause they hit you and yeah, you know, things like that. So, yeah.
0: And it's cool that there are races where you could do that in a pool. So it's like you can get <laughs> yes, a the try yeah. at a, at a level that might be more, more comfortable for you. Yes. Well, let's talk about running for a minute because, um, some information you gave me that I actually didn't bring up in your intro is that you uh, are a sub one hour, 30 minute runner in the half marathon distance yes. at age, uh, your age 47 yes. and I'm 43 and my, I would be ecstatic to run a sub two hour half marathon. I haven't done that yet. Um, I'm about, I think my PR was, is like two hours, 10 minutes. Um, so I personally want to know what advice you have for older runners looking to achieve a pace like that, or even just their own personal best, whatever that may be.
2: Yes. I, I think that, um, I do have a coach and he does help me with running. But, um, as far as what I've learned over the years for running is you, you don't want to just run miles that are not quality miles. You know, you always want to be out there doing something and have a purpose. So I think less miles is better, but your miles that you are running should be quality miles. So For instance, like in what I probably only run three times a week and um, I'll do a long run on one day. And then the other day I'll do more of a tempo run, which is just running at kind of a moderate pace, a little bit harder than moderate pace for the whole distance that you're, you know, like say you're going to go out and run six miles, um, depending on what what you're training for. Um, For a half marathon, you'd probably be running a little bit longer than that, though, maybe eight eight or nine miles for a long run, or maybe even 10 miles for a long run. Um, But then the other, um, and then for the third workout, I would do more of an interval workout, which is running really fast and then taking a break after, and then doing it again, you do it multiple times. um, So you run a distance pretty at a pretty high level, almost as hard as you can go. And then you take, um, you know, just as long as you ran, you take that rest, again and then you do it like eight times or something like that. So that's my that's how I that's how I do it. Um so if somebody's trying to improve their time, I would look at what what are you doing during your week for running? Like maybe make a plan, you know, like and try to figure out a way to um improve your time. I think interval running is so important. It really it really improves your running speed and um your ability to kind of hold a harder pace for a longer period of time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, and a lot of people, when they run, they just get out and run. It's like, I'm doing three miles today, or I'm doing five miles today. And it's like at whatever pace I run. And, and I think that's what you were referring to when you talked about, don't just run for running sake. I think a lot of people call it junk miles, junk miles. Yeah. That's a good way. Yeah. Don't just run junk miles, but be very specific about what you run, what miles you're running. And then you'd say if there's one piece of advice that's the greatest in this regard, run intervals. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, I think so. I think it one you know, once a week do, inter, do intervals and um, try to, you know, you have fun with it. Be, you know, you can do run for, um, 30 seconds as fast as you can and then take 30 second break, you know, and just, and you can look and now they have so many watches. Now you can see how fast you're going, you know, (laughs) GPS and everything. So you can, you know, kind of make it fun. Like, um, you know, see, Oh, can I, can I run how fast can I run for 30 seconds? You know, that kind of thing. And then you can work your way up to a minute. Um, and you do, you know, maybe five sets of those and you take a two minute break and you, you know, eventually work your way up to three minutes, that type of thing. But um, those those kinds of workouts really improve um, your running. If you want to improve your strength in running, um, I'll I'll do hill repeats. So you just, you know, run up the hill as fast as you can, maybe for a minute and a half, like a hill that's about uh, maybe 7% grade. And then you walk down and you do it like eight times or something like that. And that'll really improve the strength in your legs for running. So they say that, that's also pretty good also (laughs) to do
0: and I'm sure all the people listening that want to improve their running it's like oh hills I know and (laughs) it's very painful (laughs) intervals and it's like it does push you you have to push yourself in those intervals like you have to push beyond your comfort zone and you definitely have to push beyond your comfort zone to to sprint up hills but that's how you get to that next
2: level it's true and um and I guess also running the long run is very important and that doesn't have to be fast you just need to run maybe you know a long distance, like 12 miles or something like that and just make it through or yep. or 11 miles if you're doing like maybe a half marathon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'm like taking all of that to yeah. for the next time I train for a half because I really want to get under that too. It hour is hard mark. work though. Running yeah. is pretty hard.
2: I mean, I love running, but like it can, it can really be her, her painful <laughs> as far as the effort that you have to give. It's
0: tiring. It's it's and that's why I, I like it personally because I I just find it forever challenging. Like it's forever taxing and forever challenging. But then you get that sense of accomplishment and the endorphins that yes. come from it. And so the the best feeling about running is that feeling you experience when you're done. You know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so true. I know. <laughs> but there's yeah. nothing better than that. So yeah, that's what I nothing like better. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about your family because it turns out you're not the only athlete in your immediate family. Your husband and kids all have that competitive spirit in them. I would love for you to talk more specifically about what types of athletic endeavors your family participates in and the challenges and rewards that come from a family of athletes, especially with you because you, you, participate in these worldwide events. Um, I'd love to know the, the challenges and how you make that work and, and the benefits that come from everybody being competitive.
2: Yeah, they're, um, my kids, um, I have three children and they, um, all swim competitively presently. They did other sports. Their, their ages are, um, 15, 16 and 17. And, um, as you know, when they were younger, they tried, we had them try like baseball and soccer and different sports. Um, my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter, I'm sorry, started swimming when she was 10 and, um, she just wanted, she asked to start swimming. Um, my husband and I were both swimmers, so we weren't, we didn't want to push them in the swimming world right away. Cause I was, I know how hard it is and I didn't want them to be, you know, get into it too early at an age. So I wanted them to enjoy it. I didn't want them to be kind of burnt out by it. So started at age 10 and, um, the rest of them kind of, the other two kids kind of wanted followed through. They wanted to try it too. And they just fell in love with the sport. I think they fell in love more though, with like the friends that they found there at the, at the pool, you know, they, they happened to just love the team and the, the friends that they met. And that really helped kind of keep them in the sport in the beginning. Um, and then they they also enjoyed, you know, the achievements that they got out of it. Um, so they're still swimming right now um, at a very high level. Um, two of them are at junior nationals right now in Iowa <laughs> competing <laughs> and missing school for that. But um, it is it's challenging um, for them to, you know, they, they swim in the morning and then they swim in the afternoon and then they have school in between and they have homework. Um, So they have a lot of work to do, but it it really gives them great time management skills. Um, So that's one thing. And then I, I usually train um, and compete on the side. I always (laughs) try to make an effort to make sure I see all their races and um, try not to have my stuff get in the way of theirs too much but they do support me very much. Um, I go away at least twice a year to compete and my husband is super supportive and he'll, you know, take care of the kids and and take up time off work, um, you know, to help out if needed. He's my bike mechanic. He helps me (laughs) with everything that I need. Um, he's always been, you know, he, he knows it makes me happy to compete. So I think, you know, they want a happy mom and my kids know that too. So they um they're very they're very supportive.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's cool that because you all are in the sport, especially you all are swimmers. You're a triathlete. You're all competitive. Like you can sympathize and empathize with each other. And it's never it's probably never a situation where it's like, oh, I wish you wouldn't do this because everybody's doing it. You know, yes. there's a lot of families or spouses that maybe when you like triathlon's a pretty time demanding sport and if you're married to someone who's not an athlete or is not a triathlete they may not understand the time demands quite as much or it may take longer for them to really accept it and understand it whereas you all have been in this your whole lives it seems so it's like this is just a part of our lives and we all we all lift each other up
2: as a result yeah it's true you know you know when the the times are when when you're down it's you you know how to bring somebody up you have a better idea of how to do that. Um, cause I know what they're going through. Um, and when times are good, you know, you're, you're just ecstatic for them. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. You know, and they, and the feeling, you know, as you get more into the sport, um, to improve, you know, and swimming, it's all about improving your times against the clock. Basically, it's a very individual sport. Um, and as you get better at it, it, it's harder and harder to improve those times. And so, the, the joy that you get when you do get an improvement is unbelievable. Um, cause you don't get that very often, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, it's like doing your PR, you know, like you just, so it's, it's a, it's a tough sport, but, um, it's, it must be worth it because we people, you know, my kids keep doing it and I, I do it, but it is tough because you don't get that reward very often. So, yeah.
0: But again, when it happens, it's even sweeter.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so what types of unique challenges or, or benefits do you find that you encounter as specifically as an older athlete training and competing at such a high
2: level? Um, I, I find that, you know, I do not recover very quickly. So if I do something at a very high level, high quality level, a race or a hard workout, um, it takes me. I don't know, five times longer than it did when I was 30 years old. I feel like to recover, you know, and I have to be super careful of that. I've been injured many times in the past and I know now I'm better knowing now that I need to, you know, I don't need to take a break, but I need to do an easy, you know, easy workouts after that. Or, or swimming sometimes helps me recover. I just go swim to recover, but that's the biggest challenge I have, um, it it seems like the recovery is getting you know harder and harder um yeah. and, you know, and 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 you just i feel like you just have more aches and pains when you wake up you know you have to be really careful about or cognizant about stretching you know you just get tighter as you um get older i feel yeah. like i you know it's just i think your stretching is important yes. strength training's important because you just you know you get weaker too
0: yeah so you really just have to love and support your body when it comes to flexibility,
2: mobility, and recovery, and strength, strength, is super, I really, I, I, I'm a true believer in strength. I think that, you know, I do strength training at least twice a week, um, diligently, because it's, I think it keeps you, you know, injury free, and um, stronger, too, because, you know, just as you get older, you're just losing muscle naturally. You know, when you're younger, you just, you, you can keep it on pretty easily. But as after 40, it's, or 45 maybe it's tending to come off just when you're sitting there you know
0: (laughs) yeah you were you do have to work a little bit harder to get what younger people get more easily yes but you still can get it you still can can achieve these these great things and you can still build and maintain the strength you just have you have to work a little harder at it
2: Yes, I agree.
0: So when not competing, you practice as a licensed physical therapist specializing in pediatric care with a focus on neurological disorders such as cerebral palsy and Down syndrome. Can you talk a little bit about how you're able to help people with these neurological
2: conditions move better
0: and perhaps what you've learned from your patients over time?
2: Um, Yes, I help children usually under the age of five. um, They're... I have a lot of kids or clients with cerebral palsy, so they're born with this. Um, It's something that happens during birth, lack of oxygen usually. And you get a wide variety of symptoms from this. So um, teaching them mobility skills um, is difficult because they don't have the same, their brain's not functioning the same way our brain is as far as the muscles aren't getting the signals that they should be. So they're not moving in the right way. Um, that's optimal for walking and standing up, things like that. So they they have to learn compensations um, in order to move independently. So I help teach them that um, with a lot of strength training and repetition and teaching of you know movements that are more in a normal fashion. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a very challenging, um, job because some, sometimes you, you know, you, you use the same teaching method for one child and it doesn't work with the next child and you wonder why. And sometimes it's environmental and, um, family related. Um, and sometimes it's not, and it it can be frustrating, but, um, I think, um, I try to instill in them, you know, the my philosophy is you have to work hard at this. This is, it's a, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge your whole life and you're going to have to, you can, you can improve and you can make your life better, but you're going to have to work very hard at this. And I work very hard at what I do. And I I just think hard work will pay off. And I try to instill that in them as well.
0: Do you think your life as an athlete and as a competitor has proved to be an inspiration to them? as they face their challenges?
2: I do think so. Yes, I I do. They do know what I do at, on the side as far as my, in my background, that I was um, an athlete also um, as a swimmer. And um, I think just understanding that, you know, things are, don't come easy. You have to work at everything in life, basically. And they have to work a little bit harder at what they need to do. Um, so I think it does help them understand and strive, you know, to do that. It doesn't always work, but (laughs) I think in the majority of cases it does, it does help them. Yes.
0: And I just on a personal note, I, I'm a fitness trainer and one of my clients, uh, it's an adult client. She has cerebral palsy. And so I, I train her, um, she has some mobility in her legs. And so we actually get on a recumbent bike and I can train her on the bike and I, I just, I was thinking about how she told me that her favorite place is the pool because when she's in the pool, she can walk. Um, Because with the level of weightlessness that the pool provides, she has more mobility and has more freedom in the pool. So I think that's, that's cool with you being, you know, a lifelong swimmer and knowing the pool so well that I, I imagine that that's something that possibly comes in handy
2: with, with your, with how you help, your patients. Uh, do you use the pool at all? Yes, I do use the pool. Um, the, I, I do a lot of treatments in the home setting. So if they, if they have a pool, I will use the pool very often as well, you know, when, if it's heated and things like that. But um, um, I have done that many times and the family's very, usually very comfortable because I'm comfortable in the pool. So I can handle the child very well in the pool. And, um, I've had great success, um, with the pool therapy with many kids. And, um, so I mean, I'm a big, big fan of that. Yeah. That's definitely, yeah. I think that's, I mean, that does, that's one thing. Yeah. Thank goodness I'm comfortable in there because it's not always easy. You know, if if you have somebody who's not comfortable, you know, you're already working with somebody who's not comfortable in the pool or can't move very well. Um, and, so you have to, you know, if I'm comfortable, then it tends to work out pretty well. And then they, that, and you know what I love about it also is that, you know, I'll do it at a young age, maybe like age two or when they're pretty young. And then they have a love for water, you know, like, yes. you know, they want to be in the pool. Like they love it. Like I always tell the parents, make sure you get them in the bath when they're really young, you know, just so they're not afraid of the water because. You don't want them to be afraid of it. So I find that the the kids that I have done that with, they they just love the pool. Like it's like a treat for them to go in the pool. So
0: that's what I've seen with my client. I think I think she was put in a pool very early, and so that's her favorite thing is being being in a pool because it just it provides so much freedom for her that she doesn't always get to experience in her daily yeah. life. So it's that, it's a cool that movement. Yeah, it's a cool thing to start early and just to have that. You know, translate
2: into adulthood. I, I believe so. Yeah, I think it's. I wish. I, everybody could have that exposure that you know needs to. Yes. But it's not always. It's not always there. Um, yeah. I, I. On the flip side, I have. I. I've had a client who, was really afraid of the pool, but he. he you know couldn't move very well, and I. I wanted to get him in the pool, but. Um, he had a bad experience, and I could. I tried so many times to get him in, but he was too afraid though. Uh, cause it, I think they waited too long, but it was a shame cause you know, you want them to move cause he could move better. I'm sure in the pool, if I could get him in there But on land, he can't move at all. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, that—that that is a lot of people's experience with pools and water. If you don't get in early and if you, if you don't go and learn how to swim as a kid, it's much, much harder to get in the water as an adult. So it's, it's across the board, you know? So, uh, parents who are listening, get your kids in the water early, right? Yes. Oh my
2: gosh. I'm a, yes. (laughs) Big, big proponent of that. Yes.
0: So before we go, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Yes. Um, one thing that I always try to remember every day is to live in the moment and enjoy what you're doing presently. Um, try not to think too far ahead. I, I really believe that you have to enjoy just right now what's happening. So that's one of my big things I think about every day. Um, The other thing is, um, you know, you, you may not be as talented as the person sitting next to you in something, but if you work hard at something and you really give it your all, you can succeed at it at a very, at a very good level too, if you want to but you just have to work hard. I think hard work is, is one of those things that will give you great success. And, um, if you don't quit, you will, you will, um, always have that feeling that you tried as hard as you could. And I think that's super important because if you don't, that feeling that you didn't try very well is going to last forever. And if you give it your all, you know, that you did and, and you, um, you know, you can keep going. I like that a lot.
0: And I I have to remind myself of that a lot. Like don't look at the people around you. Don't, don't obsess about how everybody else is doing. Focus on your own journey and, and your own experience. And, and you're not, you know, some people, it comes easier to them and it may not come as easy to you. Like I know I have to work really, really hard. I'm not a natural born athlete. So, and I didn't, I didn't compete growing up. So I know that I have to work really, really hard to get what comes easier to some people, but you can get those rewards. You can have those amazing experiences. And it sometimes is even more rewarding when it comes from a lot of hard work.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think that's when it really becomes something like, wow. Yeah. You know, I, d- I did that. I, I did that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that.
0: So, uh, and finally, if someone wants to learn more about you, how can they do that?
2: Um, I do have a Facebook page, um, and that's about all i I keep up with, I do, I think I'm on Instagram, but I don't keep up very good with that, but I do keep up on Facebook though. So.
0: All right. So Adrian LeBlanc. Adrian LeBlanc on Facebook. Yes. Awesome. So if you want to follow what Adrian's doing, find her on Facebook. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for being on the season athlete podcast. I love talking to you. I love hearing your story. Your racing career, the fact that you got into it in your 40s is really, really cool to me and and definitely could be inspirational to a lot of people listening because I think a lot of people think they might be too old to start something as bold as triathlons and you're here to prove that you can start at any age and there's so much you can accomplish as a seasoned athlete. So thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us and I'm excited to follow your journey
2: next year as you uh compete to defend your title thank you robin i'm very glad to be on your your podcast and i hope i did inspire someone today i know you did thank you
0: all right seasoned athletes before we go here are my top three takeaways from adrian leblanc number one get in the water and swim start early and swim often. Adrienne grew up as a swimmer, and as she found her way to triathlons in her 40s, she had an advantage in the leg of the sport that many find to be the most difficult part. Her recommendation to parents in particular is to get kids swimming in the pool as young as possible so they grow up without any fears of the water. And as an older athlete, Adrienne uses swimming as a recovery tool to stay active in a low impact way after a tough competition. Number two, as an older athlete competing at a high level, Adrian recommends focusing heavily on smart recovery, stretching and flexibility, and strength training. These are pretty much the big three of staying strong and mobile as an older athlete, but so many of us neglect this or push through the pain instead. If you work these three things into your regular routine, you have a greater likelihood of being able to perform at your best for years to come. And number three, live in the now and don't compare yourself to the person next to you. As Adrian said so well, you may not be as talented as a person sitting next to you, but if you work hard at something and really give it your all, you can succeed at it. And maybe you can even become a world champion just like Adrian. Thank you again to Adrian LeBlanc. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. This episode has been brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete. Living in LA, I spend a lot of time on the road, and I don't have much time at home to get any reading in. So I love downloading books from Audible so I can listen on my commute or on the long drive to and from my weekend races. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including some that have been authored by previous seasoned athlete guests like Catherine Switzer and Lida Petro. Definitely check those books out, by the way. They are awesome. To get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete, or visit seasonedathlete.me and click on Audible Trial right there on the main menu. Be sure to follow us on social, Seasoned Athlete Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know of someone who would be a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com, and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so
2: can.